Here's a quick two-minute practical idea for you to begin our show today. Every athlete is constantly practicing and working to improve some part of their skills. Wouldn't you agree? Well, same thing holds true for you and me. It's just like every actor goes to rehearsal. They go to improve their skills and be ready for the show. So what are you doing to improve your sales skills? Here's some ideas for you on how you can polish up your skills and do some really great things. Now, this is good enough for the experienced agent and for the newer sales professional as well. Number one, have a clear sales system. That means that you've got to know what you're going to say. Professionals always know what they're going to do, and they know what they're going to say before they ever get started. I'm not talking about a canned script that sounds canned. I'm talking about the language, the language you use every day, the language that's a part of the process. Number two, practice your language. You got to practice. Yeah, I'm talking about rehearsing. When you rehearse, you'll be able to use the language and it's going to sound brand new every time that you do it. If you have to think about it before you say it, or you're sitting there and you're going, oh, am I doing this right? What do I say next? Then you haven't practiced it enough. Get comfortable with your language and you get comfortable by practicing. Number three, asking questions and listening. That is still, in my opinion, the most important skill a salesperson can develop. Now, of course, <laughs> that, includes, that includes the ability to ask a question and then hush. That's it. Ask a question and shut up. <laughs> you got to let the prospect answer the question. Number four, know your call to action. Know how you can help the prospect make a decision and do it in a timely fashion. Ladies and gentlemen, Sales is a noble profession, and you are sales professionals. Best wishes. Hey, let's get this party started. The business of sales is sometimes harder than actually making the sale in the first place. See, you're not only a professional salesperson, you're a business owner. But the focus always seems to be on sales. Well, we're here to help you. I've been in the sales world and training sales professionals for over four decades. My name's Morris Sims. I've seen some great salespeople fail because they didn't run their business very well. Well, we're going to share success concepts and interview some great entrepreneurs who are going to help you in your business. Welcome to the business of sales. sales that we are all in, it really helps if when you contact somebody, you got a reason for doing it, right? Something's happened in their life. They've had a life event of some kind or, or they've changed jobs or, or something's going on in their world, which is their social world, I guess you could say. And it makes it a lot easier if you know what that is and you can talk to them about how you can help them get through whatever it is they're trying to get through in their life at that particular moment in time. Jamie... Shanks is with us here today, and Jamie is is really a neat guy. He's bringing all sorts of stuff. He's developed a whole software package on on doing some neat things with social selling. Jamie, I'm not going to try and do it. You tell us what is it that you do, and how do you bring value to the community today? Well, my responsibility in life is to help sellers make their number and help them prospect. And I've always thought that the biggest challenge that sellers have is around account selection and account prioritization, which causes poor judgment on time management. And so I have pioneered 
10 years ago, I pioneered a topic called social selling, built a global sales training company called Sales for Life. And spun out of that is a software that we created called Pipeline Signals. And it essentially monitors and reverse engineers our customers' customers and looks for customers on the move because those customers are three to five times more likely to convert. You know, when you have a fan or an advocate leave your customer base and go somewhere else, you want to be there first to congratulate them, add value, and so forth. So we mechanize that at scale so that our customers just don't miss these opportunities. Oh, how cool. Because you're, you're basically getting in front of people or, or somehow or another getting in front of people when they really are having things happen in their lives. That's neat. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we monitor both the customers and fans, like the advocates that they know of in their CRM. But more importantly, at an account-based level, many times the buy-in committee is made up of all kinds of people that works in their CRM. So this is called Greenfield. And we about 50% of every signal we identify are people that leave one of your customers and they go into accounts you'd never even thought about. Or you've expanded your buying committee and people that weren't in your CRM have now moved into accounts you want to win, but you didn't know how to track them because they just weren't part of your known universe before. You know, Jamie, I, I've spent my life doing one-on-one -on -one kind of sales. Tell me uh, more, define buying committee for me. Yeah, the buying committee is the group of people that, influence a purchase of a product or solution, uh, product or service. So if you think about it, let's use a real life example. You want to uh, purchase a software. Your typical buyer might be the chief marketing officer, but that chief marketing officer recognizes that everything that they touch also uh, involves sales. So they need to bring in the chief revenue officer. At the same time, um, Technology is involved in this purchase, so IT wants to get involved. And because the purchase is over $25,000, now procurement wants to be involved. And so <laughs> does the CFO because they have a yeah, because they have a rule internally that any purchase over $25,000 needs a double signing authority. So now your buying committee just swelled to five major key stakeholders. Uh, a couple of them are key decision makers. And then even under those people, the chief marketing officer recognizes, well, they're not going to actually do the work in the software. They need implementers. Well, that means the director of this and the manager of that are now going to be influenced in doing the day-to-day -day bumblebee-like tasks. And, well, uh, they're going to have input. Oh, is this easy to use? Will this make my life harder or easier? So all of a sudden, it just swells into this concophony of people. And there's a great book called The Challenger Customer that tried to quantify the average complex B2B sales as 7.4 decision makers, champions, and influencers on any typical purchase. Well, there was just a study I saw a week ago that is trying to update that to upwards of 10 people now, because that's just how many people want to have their voices heard. So that's the buying committee. Boy, how do you just took me back to 30 some odd years at New York life that that's exactly what would happen. I mean, it was it was amazing to me at the time. But yeah, I mean, there are all these different people that need to have their fingers into that buying decision. 
and they will insert themselves whether you want them to or not. So even though I may be the end user or my people may be the end user for a product, I don't get to make that decision all by myself. Now, what you're telling me, Jamie, is that if, when, well, let's take me, for example, I retired. What if I had gone to work for another insurance company? You're telling me you're going to identify me and allow me to be a, a, a fan for whatever company when I get to wherever my new landing place is. Is that right? Correct. So uh, fans happen both at the contact and the account level. So the insurance company that you worked for is a customer of many companies and they become longtime customers and big fans of a business and all the key stakeholders that used the solution well, like yourself, will up and leave. So our customers will track anyone that walks out the door that mattered for them from that insurance company. Where did they go? Did they go to other insurance companies? Did they go to other verticals or industries that make sense for them to sell it? Then as well, the fan can be the individual power user like yourself. So you were the person that purchased the original solution. You're the person who is the biggest voice and advocate inside the business for that company. They want to track you as well because you are the voice of change when you get to your new job. So what we're doing is tracking all the accounts that matter to our customers and all the people um, that matter that they would want to sell to and then cross-reference, well, who came from what? Did they come from a fan or sorry? from an advocate of yours? Are they a friend or are they a foe? Because we also track competitive intelligence. So mm -hmm. what if they had left employment from your direct competitor and they now join that account? Well, wouldn't you want to ensure you're not spinning your wheels and wasting time? We're tracking all that movement at scale. Oh, wow. That, it's just amazing what you can do with technology today and where you can find people and how you can find people. It's a lot better than... Uh, cutting out articles out of the newspaper and mailing them to folks. I tell you what, a whole lot better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A well, whole now, lot better. In tools like LinkedIn, all that human capital migration of 880 million people, it's all online. Wow, that's right. Yeah, it's all right there in LinkedIn. If you, if you know how to go out there and farm it and market it and, and get involved with it, yeah. And that's what you do. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. So, Jamie, I assume you've, you've been in sales for the majority of your business career. Would that be right? It has. I've, I have served my kind for most of my life. <laughs> Me and you both. And, and I propose that all of us, no matter what job we may have, we're all in sales. I mean, I've said it before, the best sale I ever made was to my lovely bride. Um, still, don't, <laughs> still, still have no idea how I closed that one. But anyway, the, the fact is that the sales process is still out there, whether I'm working business to business or, or face to face with a client, uh, I'm still going to go through the sales process of finding folks, figuring out what they need, what their problems are, finding a solution to their problems, showing them that solution, asking them to buy something, and then following up after the sale. Would you agree? I, I actually believe that will never change. 
uh, as a kind of methodology or set of principles, set of first principles to sales forever. The only thing that will change will be some of the tactics that serve each mm-hmm. one of those stages. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I would I would agree wholeheartedly. What do you find is the 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 thing that's most critical for professional salespeople today in the in the world we're living in right now? Cutting noise. Um, I would you know, I I look at my father in law. So my father in law was uh, chief revenue officer and then president of a, a Faber Castell Canada, as an example. So. Pens, paper, things that sold at Staples, kind of thing. Yeah, no, really, classic, really, really nice pens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the most classic of sales guys, and you know, he saw the advent and the the creation of the personal computer on his desktop. Uh, you know, at first it was you know cutting open letters and making phone calls, and then came the computer, and at the end of his career came the advent of uh, and the and the scaling of the of email between customers and prospects, but you know, on an average day, he'd fly to a customer, or drive to a customer. His day wasn't overly noisy. A couple meetings here and there, a couple cell phone calls, call it a day. But the average sales professional today, the inputs and outputs that are coming out are hundreds between social media, phone, text, WhatsApp. Uh, uh, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, their internal Slack, Microsoft Teams. So time management, um, you know, if I were to build a new sales training program from scratch today, I would focus in on a soft skill that is very, uh, is not widely talked about, is not widely understood, not widely coached, and I believe the biggest fundamental problem is time management. As an entrepreneur, you have to learn it like innately, but as a sales professional, a lot of them don't realize that they are intrapreneurs, they are businesses within a business. They lack the objective ability to focus their time. So how do you do that? How do you or what do you recommend a professional salesperson do to make better use of their time? Well, if I were to, if I were to think through it in reverse engineering from the way that an entrepreneur thinks, uh, what we use are critical tools like reverse engineering, the Franklin Covey rocks, or there's something called the EOS entrepreneurs operating system called the vision traction organizer. And the concept here is, you document your goal for the year, uh, which uh, goals are outcomes. Then you design your milestones and objectives, which you can break out into monthly or quarterly bits and bytes. And then the only thing that a seller actually controls are the actions and activities, uh, the actions that they take and the decisions they make. So you have to teach them to focus on only focus on the things that controls actions and activities. But each one of them, each action and activity has to align to a milestone or an objection, objective, which is monthly or quarterly. And then those monthly or quarterly uh, milestones have to align to your big annual goal. And so you would have them to first design this reverse engineering of, I want you to show me what actions you need to take every day and every week to highly influence where you need to be every month. 
at every quarter to get you to your annual goal. Once they understand what those actions and activities are, then they have to, I think as an organization, you have to pull apart the actions and activities that an average seller does. I think one of the bigger problems is that we ask sellers to do $500 an hour value creation work, create, you know, do demos, make proposals, close business. That's worth, let's say, $500 an hour to them and the company. But to get there, they're asked and bogged down with so much $5 an hour tasks. Yeah. Administrivia, CRM updating, finding and squirreling through data lists or LinkedIn to look for these compelling events or opportunities to call people. So it's just such a waste of time. So at a revenue operations level, at a chief revenue operations level, you need to be thinking about how we subdivide a seller's tasks and strip away all the things that are making them do $5 an hour tasks. And as a seller, you need to call that out. You need to look at your day, kind of, pl- kind of like really document a day in a life every day for a week and a month, and then turn to your sales leaders and say, this is what my day looks like. Here are the things that create $500 an hour ta- uh, uh, value creators. And here are the things that I do every day that I need to do, but they're worth $5. And then, then start taking those off your plate. That's, I mean, that's essentially why I created Pipeline Signals is I watch sellers spend on average 11% of their week in LinkedIn data mining. Well, that's not a very good use of time. So we just took it off their hands. Wow. That's amazing. So basically, if, if I were to say, Jamie, give me three practical things that a business owner needs to know to grow, I think you've already done that. I mean, you're, you're telling us we've got to focus on the $500 an hour stuff, not the $5 an hour stuff. And if that's a problem, you need to figure out a way to get past it. And then you need to really think about how you're using your time and to do it more effectively and efficiently on those $500 an hour kind of things instead of the pushing paper and, and mining LinkedIn, as you said. Yeah, and I, I would say the only thing I would add to that, if they wanted something tactical, uh, I would do what I did to scale pipeline signals, which was you take a customer, write their name down on the center of a sheet of paper and circle it, and then draw spider, like circle it and draw spider webs, like a spoke away mm-hmm. from that customer's yeah. logo. Ask yourself a fundamental question. Who cares about that story? And the goal is to reverse engineer it, to recognize that the people that leave that account and they go to other places that meet the ideal customer profile of you are going to be excellent, excellent opportunities for you going forward. Uh, And then focus on those accounts because they're much more likely to convert because of your fans or advocates in those businesses then would be just randomly calling A through Z through the phone book. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Oh, man, that's great. Jamie, thank you so much, man. You've, you've been very, very helpful today and given us some really wonderful practical ideas that are going to help each and every one of us in what we do all day long, man. Thank you. We're really, really glad you were on the business of sales, man. Oh, thank you. I, uh, I intend to continue to serve our kind. <laughs> I'm so glad you're out there doing that. 
If anybody out there would like to, to find Jamie, you can find him easily at PipelineSignals.com or on LinkedIn, and you can direct message him from LinkedIn and, and get a conversation started. Remember, four practical things you can do today. Number one, make sure you have a sales system. Professionals know their language. Number two, practice the language so it sounds conversational. And number three, work on asking the right questions the right way and then listening. Number four, know your call to action. And for everybody else out there, y'all have a great week. Enjoy. Go out there and find somebody else to talk to and uh, add some value. That's what you do every day. You can make it happen. Until next time, I'm Morris Sims, and I'll see you right here on the business of sales.